Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. And this is the Indiana Bible College podcast. Expounding the text is designed to illuminate scripture. Each episode, we will observe a text of scripture, interpret it, correlate it to other portions of scripture, and then apply it to our lives. And that is both good exegesis and enriches understanding. Reverend Tyler Bryant joins us here on Expounding the Text today, but before we get to his episode, Reverend Bryant is a recent guest of another wonderful apostolic podcast called Poitrous Ponderings. Reverend James Poitras is, of course, no stranger to Indiana Bible College. He is a graduate and joins us annually at our IBC Missions Conference. And he and his family have started a podcast where they sit down and share their excellent thoughts. If you like quality apostolic content, well, then you will love Poitras Ponderings. So be sure and check them out wherever you enjoy streaming your podcast. Today, we are going to stream another episode of Expounding the Text with Reverend Tyler Bryant discussing Psalms 61. Let's dig in. Welcome, Reverend Tyler Bryant, the Director of Distance Learning. We've had a chance to hear from you on our podcast before with sermons that you preached in chapel, but I am personally excited that you are here uh, on expounding the text. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So we are going to read uh, eight verses. Is that right? All of, all of Psalm 61. Yeah, it's a short chapter. Let's just read the whole thing. Yeah. All right, let's go. Psalm 61. Hear my cry. O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear my. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Amen. Well, amen. The word, as, as they say in some religions, uh, the word of the Lord. Amen. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I wanted to look at this chapter because it's a, maybe one of the shorter Psalms. That's an example of this. There's, there's several other Psalms that I think do this quite well or show this quite well, but uh, it's almost a pattern, if you will, for uh, the prayer of a troubled heart or the prayer of an overwhelmed heart. We see this Mm -hmm. constantly in the Psalms with David. He comes and it's like at the beginning of the Psalm, 
he he begins and you sense his weariness, his overwhelm, his discouragement, whatever yeah. uh, whatever might be going on in his life, the circumstances of his life. And he begins with a sad heart, but then he concludes with this air of pleasantness almost. Mm-hmm. He, he begins with tears and then he ends in praise. And and I I love that because it shows us on one hand we can come to God and we can bring our raw emotions, you know, our questions, our mm-hmm. overwhelm, our weariness, our tiredness. We can bring that to God. He's he's not afraid uh he's not afraid of us bringing those kind of emotions to him. I know some people would be very, you know, timid to bring those kind of questions and emotions. Maybe it's anger uh, even and yeah. there's a fear to bring that to God in prayer. But David did it regularly. But, yeah, did. But the other side of the coin was like he didn't stop there, Brother Henderson. You know, yeah. he always he always ends with this praise, and it's because the way that the the that he approached God and the way that his prayer unfolded, and we see it perfectly exampled in this short eight verse Psalm where David begins in distress and he ends with determination. So if we're going to learn from something like that, it's, it's like, okay, how did David make this journey in eight verses? How does he Mm -hmm. go from being totally overwhelmed and distressed to to praising God and being determined that he's going to daily perform his vows. Now, to understand that, you got to understand the setting in which David wrote this psalm. And it's generally agreed upon that David probably wrote this psalm while he was in exile uh, during the rebellion of his son, Absalom. So that immediately puts his feelings into context, why he felt so overwhelmed when he first came. He was Right. He'd been he'd been banished from the spot that was the center of his delight. From 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 the city and from the the place where the tabernacle was and he'd been driven out of the land of promise. And and now he feels like he's at the ends of the earth. I mean, I think that's what he says, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Verse number two, from the end of the earth, will I cry out. So so David is feeling like he has basically come. Maybe if we put it in modern day vernacular it's the end of the world. You know, like I've come to the end of the world. I've come to the end of my rope. And in spite of his distance from the sanctuary, from the house of prayer, where he was, where he was used to, uh, you know, performing his vows and doing those things. He said from the end of the earth, from the, from the most remote and obscure uh, corner of the country, from the place where I'm at the end of my rope, I'm going to cry out to you. And, and it tells us immediately, first of all, there's no place that's unsuitable for prayer, right? There's no yeah. place where w- there's no feeling n- that we couldn't uh, bring that to God and bring our prayer to God. And so what, whatever comes, whatever situation, whatever circumstance, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry. And then he makes it very clear, you know, who, who he's crying to, to thee, right? I'm not mm-hmm. going to go... Uh, call all my friends and get their opinion about it. I'm not going to go, you know, post it on social media to get people's uh, pity uh, or opinions, but I'm going to yep. cry out to God, right? I'm going to call yeah. to God and, and I trust that he's going to give me an answer. So it, it's great because 
and I'm sure you've ex- experienced this, Brother Henderson, but but faith's greatest triumphs come from trials, right? They yeah. come from the climb, yeah. not from the mountaintop experience. And so we see this in this in this example from the life of David. And of course, many things can cause our hearts to be overwhelmed. I mean, my goodness, just look, all you got to do is turn the news on today. I was going to say, welcome to 2020. Yeah, it's like, wow. I mean, every day it seems like there's something new for you yeah. to be uh, worried about or fearful of. So, I mean, the economy, nobody knows about the economy. You got the pandemic, you got issues with race relations, you got uh, you got the riots and you got the changing of the institutions of our country. I mean, it's like things are constantly changing every day. And, and there's a lot of things that could cause our hearts to be overwhelmed. That doesn't even consider the normal everyday things that people face in their life. Life is full yeah. of trials. Life is full of trouble. And so, so David is dealing with this. And the question is, what do I do when I feel like I'm at the end of the world, at the, at the end of the proverbial rope, when I have nowhere else to turn? Where do I turn and, and what do I do? When my heart is overwhelmed, David said, lead me to the rock that is higher yeah. than I. Just that two, those two words lead me. Like yeah. I get, I get a couple different things out of that. First of all, he's, he's saying, I don't know the way. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a big step right there. If you just admit, like, I don't know the way I'm going to need you to lead me. So he's yeah. saying, I don't know the way I need you to reveal the way to me. And, and of course, uh, the rock is Jesus, Right. We, we yeah. know that from the New Testament. We see him. We see him as the rock, and uh, he is one that's showing us the way. And that lead me also is like a a confession of like, I need you to enable me mm-hmm. to go the way. Like I need you to work the faith in me. I need you to to cause it to happen, and then uplift me when I can't make the journey myself. I need you to do for me. What is even beyond me? And of course, Christ ultimately did that for us in Calvary, right? He, yeah. he paid the price that we can never pay. So he's saying, take me to the rock, which is, which is too high for me to get to unless you help me get to it. And this <laughs> is really there, a pivot so too, right? That's right. It's, it's yeah. a pivot in it. Like we get from the end of the earth, I will cry into thee when my heart is overwhelmed. So like, that's still a descriptor of how he's feeling at that moment. But then he launches into this lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And that that's kind of a pivot point in the prayer of, of what he does. So he doesn't spend very long in the mully grubs, you know? No, no, he's two verses in. He's only yeah. two verses in to his conversation with God. And he's already he's already changing. He's already pivoting to a place. Man, of sometimes reliance. sometimes oh, I'm two days in to my prayer with God before, before (laughs) I pivot. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And surely, you know, this prayer was born out of all of the thought and, and, Mm -hmm. and concern that he had been experiencing. Right. But when he comes to God and begins talking to God about it, there, there is, it doesn't take very long for him to pivot, like you said. And he's already talking about, um, he's already saying, I am totally dependent upon you. But then notice what he does when you turn to verse verses three and four, it's even, it's even another level. Like he takes, he, he takes the, the pivot or the turn to the next degree, if you will. He said, thou hast been. So he's talking mm-hmm. about the past. 
He's looking yeah. backwards. Thou hast been a shelter for me. I have found in thee a rock higher than I. Therefore, I will trust thou wilt still lead me to that rock. Thou, thou mm-hmm. has been my strong tower from the enemy, and you are as strong as ever, he's saying. And your name is a refuge. You know, he, uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. So, so what's going on here is, is a great lesson that we learn from the, this prayer of David is that from the past, from past yeah. circumstances, we gather arguments for present confidence. And he's had quite through. a few uh, oh, yeah. past experiences at this point. If, if history is right, and you've pointed out that, that he is probably written this in exile. So Absalom is uh, taken over the kingdom. So he's had Saul chase him. Yep. He has uh, had he has had a man killed. He's he's had a lot of things in his life that he can point back to and say, "You've been a shelter for me." Like as yep. a young right. scrawny little little guy, uh, you know, lions and bears and giants, and then yep. more political enemies in Saul. And through all of those physical enemies and political enemies, he was like, you know what, God, you've you've been a strong tower. And when you referenced uh, Proverbs eighteen ten, I was I just started thinking. I'm like, did David vocalize that particular phrase? Thou have been thou has been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy, hmm. Solomon author of Proverbs, did he pick that up from his dad, who is the author of this particular yeah. song? I don't know. Maybe when we get to heaven, yeah, we can that's ask. That's an interesting thought. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you learn that from your daddy? Well, there's so, it's such a cool thing. You know, you see, you see David drawing on this past experience to, uh, to help him through the trial that he's going through right now. And look, that's easy to say right now while we're sitting here uh, talking into these microphones uh, or if you get up to preach a sermon, that's easy to say, but man, it is so easy when you're in the middle of a trial to forget all of the things that Mm -hmm. God has already brought you through. It it has to be intentional for you to go back to those moments and remember what God has done and and to, to base your present confidence on what God has already enacted and done in your life. But that's exactly what we see David doing here. Yeah. So then confident based on past victories. That's, that's so powerful. Yeah. So then you, you see the turn continue in verses five and six and, and we won't spend a lot of time there, but then you get into, into verse number seven and verse number eight, he makes this statement. He says, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So he's saying it's mercy and truth truth which we see we see paired up in scripture so often mm-hmm. mercy and truth are our preservation not the government not the economy yeah. not yeah. the ingenuity of man mercy and truth are our preservation the church the church of god is fortified but we're not fortified behind man made walls we're not fortified mm-hmm. behind our programs our plans our abilities our resources, mercy and truth are the walls of our fortress. And that's what David yeah. is saying in this situation where, uh, where his son is trying to take the kingdom away from him. 
So, so we need not desire to, to be better secured than under the protection of God's mercy and truth. There's no safer place that we could possibly be. We can't keep ourselves and nothing yeah. short of divine mercy and truth can do it. And that's what, that's what David is confessing. That's where he's getting to at the, at the end of this prayer. And then he says, let my soul live and it shall praise thee. And so we've, we've got to make praising God the work of our time, even to the last. And, and then it will be made the work of our eternity and we will be praising him forever. So, so praising God and paying our vows to him is, as David says here, it's our, it's our daily work. And yeah. I love that that's where he ends up is with this determination that regardless of the circumstances, it doesn't matter what I'm going through or how far away I feel like I am from where I wish I was. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a daily walk with God and, and that's going to be my priority. So it's, it's, it's seeing the big picture, you know, when he leads you to the rock that's higher than you, it changes your perspective. You can see things differently when yeah. uh, you experience that as brother, uh, brother Jerry Dean would say that redemptive lift of the yeah. Holy ghost. When you experience that redemptive lift, it lifts you out of, of the problem, not taking the circumstance away. It lifts mm -hmm. your perspective outside yeah. of that particular issue and, and allows you to see things from God's point of view. So uh, this is awesome. If you just look at this Psalm in its entirety, you see really from verse number two to verse number eight, you see uh, in verse number two, there's a, there's an, a distance that David is experiencing. He's saying, mm -hmm. I'm, I've gone to the ends of the earth. There's a distance, there's a distress, but, but then immediately he begins talking about deliverance, about the defense of God. And then in verse number four, he's talking about the dwelling. And in verse seven, he's talking about his destiny. And in verse number eight, he's talking about determination. So we see that distance, distress, deliverance, defense, dwelling, destiny, and determination. It's the, it's the journey that David takes in just eight verses. I wish I would yeah. have came up with that list by myself. I didn't, I don't remember where I saw it, but, but it's an awesome list. I love I alliteration. Say that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's an awesome list. But, but if I, if I will allow, or if I won't allow rather, um, or excuse me, let me, let me say it like this. Maybe Rev Kev can edit that part out. I will allow not trouble, no crisis, no distress, to shake my confidence in God and my determination and my trust in him. That that's the statement that David's making. Nothing yeah. is going to shake my confidence in God. And that's, that's where we need to be. And that's what happens when we pray a prayer like this. Yeah. And, and that is not just old Testament kingship writing in exile, but Paul writes the exact same thing in Romans 8 when he says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Yeah. And he goes on to list like this whole big list of things uh, that how we overcome and, and not life, not death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. And that love of Jesus, that mercy, that truth, those two things paired together 
I love the way you said that. They become our defense. Yeah. They, they protect us from uh, from anything. Protect us from literally anything. That's right. And and as you, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that it's not just an Old Testament prayer. Uh, because yeah. while I was thinking about our conversation this morning, I, I remembered the sermon that uh, my brother-in-law, who's on the, the pastoral staff here where I pastor in Marshall, Illinois, he preached a sermon for us on uh, on last Sunday from Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 4, we see you know Peter and John have been put in prison for mm-hmm. preaching in name, and they're released from prison. They're threatened, you know, don't, don't preach in this name anymore. And it says that they they come in verse number 23, they come to their own company, they come to the church, and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, and notice this is, it's like the same kind of pattern that we see here. Their hearts are very troubled because of the persecution that they're facing. Yeah. And they lift up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. So they're starting with praise and talking about mm-hmm. who he is. They're talking about uh, the, about what he's done, who he is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against is Christ for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. So now, now they're listing the enemies. Okay, we've got mm-hmm. all these people, our old government people that have come against us for to do whatsoever thy hand. That's right. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And I mean, and says, Pontius Pilate, he killed Jesus. Exactly. Yeah. Condemned and says to that they're going to do whatever their hand desires to do. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. So it's they're not saying uh, save us from this mm-hmm. or even protect us from this. The prayer is like God. First of all, they're reminding themselves who God is. Yeah, you're all powerful. Okay, and then they're saying, give us boldness to speak your word in truth. And that's it. It's like, how many prayers do I pray that are about changing my circumstances? How often do we pray those kind of prayers? Like God, get me out of this trouble. Heal me from this. I'm not saying God doesn't want to deliver us from certain circumstances or that he doesn't want to bring healing or be our provision. But this prayer, like David's prayer, it was more like, Hey, this is a reminder of who my God Mm -hmm. is. And and I want to do what pleases him and what glorifies his name. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wonder, uh, Rev, if you mind leading us out, closing prayer. No, not at all. It'd be my honor. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for your word that guides and leads us. Your word uh, shows us, Lord, how you would desire for us to approach trouble and difficulties in our lives. I pray, God, that it would be the pattern of prayer for your people, God, that just like your prayer for your disciples, that it wouldn't be our desire just to escape from everything, but it would be our desire to see your 
kingdom uh, fulfilled in our lives and in the world around us. Yes. I pray, God, that our prayers would be prayers declaring your power, declaring your might, glorifying your name, reminding us that regardless of what our circumstances are, regardless of the situation, you have all power in your hands and help us, Lord, to live a life that is glorifying to your name and that ushers in your kingdom into the lives of hurting and broken people all around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Bryant. Thank you. It's been an honor to be with you on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Expounding the Text. We pray that you enjoy our looks at Scripture here on the podcast. A question in closing, though. Have you heard about the IBC Worldview Conference? The Worldview Conference is a set of special virtual lectures for young people wanting to engage their mind and strengthen their understanding of the Christian worldview in order to help them combat and overcome the secular worldview that they will encounter on college campuses and in the world. July 30 and 31, 2020 is when this event will take place, and you don't even have to leave your home in order to attend. For more information and to register for this free conference, visit indianabiblecollege.org forward slash worldview. That's indianabiblecollege.org forward slash worldview. We look forward to you joining us for that conference and God's blessings.